Welcome to Spice Bags, where three opinionated ladies, Blanca, May and me, Dee, have a dish about food in Ireland from an international perspective. And welcome to Spice Bags Podcast. We're here for our Christmas edition <laughs> and the guys are, ladies are here with me. We're all buzzy, looking forward to Christmas. Um, you'll be listening to this post-Christmas, but we're getting ready for an all warmed up for Christmas. So all we can think about is what are we eating? What have we eaten in the past? And also we're so excited to interview Darina Allen um, today um, from Ballymaloo Cookery School. And we think who is the quintessential person to think about uh, when it comes to Christmas cooking. So we're really excited for that. Um, May last year, I, as you know, I was spent Christmas with your family, which was, I went to New York, sorry, um, on a trip last Christmas. I decided to take myself away from Christmas or experience it in New York by myself. It was absolutely the most fun thing I've ever done and had the most beautiful Christmas dinner with your family Um and yeah, I mean, it was just such a lovely experience. I was just missing that, I, I guess, you know, because my family is in Connecticut, as you know, um, feeling a little homesick during lockdown, um, but just remembering uh, subjecting you to the sing-alongs. <laughs> I would say <laughs> subjecting now. They were pretty fun. We don't do sing-alongs in our house, so unless forced. So, sing-alongs um, and, you know, slow roast duck. Yes. And, and for you to meet my family, and that was just terrific. It was also really nice. I don't know, have, um, Blanca, have you ever spent Christmas somewhere else, gone away for Christmas? Is that something your family do or how do you spend Christmas? I've always spent Christmas with my family. Um, the, the first time I spent Christmas away from my family was in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, I was very impressed with um, the display of food that my mother-in-law put out. Um, all these wonderful like spiced beef and ham and I was accustomed to a totally different experience. So that was my first foreign Christmas. Mm. Um, and it was, it's always, I always look forward to Christmas with my in-laws because she's such an amazing cook. And I think Christmas traditions in Ireland are very defined. I think in Spain, they're more blurred. So I really, really enjoy it. And so do my children. They love um, Irish Christmas. Am I right in saying in Spain they celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So we're, and, uh, we're one of the few countries, I think, that do Christmas Day dinner isn't it it's actually more common to do christmas eve in latin america and spain it's definitely christmas eve and christmas day is the day of when you're hungover <laughs> and you're watching bad movies on tv or you go to the movies so very different um we do yeah we have um we tend to in our family because um we don't celebrate Chris, uh chinese new year because you we don't have any time off so the chinese new year and the christmas traditions get jammed in together, uh, which I say that a lot of my Chinese-American friends would agree. So we'll do Christmas Eve, everybody gets drunk and um, has braised, this braised pork and braised eggs, which is very Chinese. And then Christmas Day, we have the geese and the ducks and the turkey and the, you know, and all that stuff. Mm. And then um, on Stephen's Day, we actually make dumplings. Oh, so we yeah wow. we crunch we crunch the traditions together because you should do a cookbook yeah I'm not May's sure Christmas <laughs> May's Chinese Christmas <laughs> maybe we should do a spice bag Christmas um, so I think in Ireland I know for me I'm like tradition very traditional Christmas for us would have been um, I mean everyone would would kind of rally together Christmas Eve kind of come home meet in the local boozer you know we'd have pints or drinks and then kind of retire home for 
I, I don't think there was, we didn't necessarily have a specific thing we would eat on Christmas Eve. But on Christmas Day, then we would go to my, my granny's house where all my cousins and aunts and uncles and everything would kind of either before or after mass, whoever was kind of doing the religious side of Christmas, I guess we would see them a little bit later after mass. And you would be served up, you know, smoked salmon on brown bread um, uh, all, and sweets, obviously, and, and things like that. Um, and maybe like some eggs, like kind of deviled eggs, things like this, uh, hors d'oeuvres, I suppose. And then you go home and have your dinner. We always had turkey and ham, apart from a couple of years. I think my dad got present of goose, so we had goose as well. But always, you know, turkey and ham with the traditional trimmings. Um, to start, we always did either prawn cocktail, which I think is really, really mm. common in Ireland with Mario Rose sauce. Um, or we would do um, melon if people didn't like, um, you know, fish. My melon spices, with what? Just like kind of we're very, in our house, we're very plain. <laughs> I must also admit that like you were asking me earlier, did um, we have a copy of Darina's Christmas? I mean, maybe my sisters did, but definitely my dad did not. So mm. I think we had melon with melon um, and <laughs> also just different just, types of melon in contrast, together. In contrast to, so like on Christmas, in contrast to your usually hot diet, you would have cold, cold, cold starters. Cold, cold I mean, don't get me started on mulled wine though, May. I mean, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without hot, hot mulled wine. So the hot Not drinks enough. got in there and hot whiskeys and Irish coffees. So, I mean, hot drinks played a role. Um, and then for dessert, it was either maybe pavlova or um, trifle. I mean, we did do the kind of sherry trifle, mm. the kind of traditional as well sometimes. Um, yeah, or I mean, my sisters were great. They they cooked a lot the the Christmas dinner. My dad always handled the bird um, and the the pig. But but other than that, that's kind of the way it was for us. So um, yeah, and then oh, and I must admit, the other thing that I think a lot of Irish people do is Stephen's Day. We would use the leftovers to make a kind of a a turkey and ham casserole. Uh, with a kind of a, a mu creamy mushroom-based sauce. And we would either have that with um, mashed potatoes or rice. And I think a lot of people do that to use up the the kind of leftovers. You know, what weren't used for sandwiches at like 11 p.m. on Christmas night when you feel like you can't, but you just do find, you know, space for turkey and mayo sambo or something like that. In, in my house, we always had consomme made with like a turkey carcass or a chicken. And Steve never got it. Why did we spend so <laughs> much time making like a tea, basically? And he just still doesn't get it. But we're going to make it again this year. Um, I wanted just to share some of the stories that uh, we've gotten from some of our listeners. Um, I talked to uh, a friend of the podcast, Maria Rojas, who's from Venezuela, about what she was cooking I came to her house last year to taste some Venezuelan delicacies. And Lovely. what they eat in Venezuela is something called ayacas, which is like a tamal. It's a corn, um, kind of like a corn cake with chicken and olives wrapped in banana leaves and steamed. And it's a very, very laborious thing to make. So they eat that, and that's super traditional. And then pan de jamón, which is a bread with a, a ring of uh, 
turkey and ham and olives inside it. It's a beautiful thing. And normally she would buy it, but now obviously she lives in Dublin. She has to make it. Is it like a, a roulade or like a Wellington kind of? It's a bread with the stuffing inside. Okay. Of, it's like a Christmas in a bread. It's like, oh, here's Christmas in Sounds a bread. Sounds quite nice, actually. It's really lovely. I might make it this year and for um, us, we'll put it on the on the web because it's. I I I loved it. It was such a portable Christmas. And then they have um, this lovely um, uh, a cake that reminded me of, a, of an Irish Christmas cake. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, a pastel negro, black cake, but it looks a lot like a Christmas uh, traditional cake. Do you have May in your um, yeah? Christ- um, I've reached we you know again when we were reaching out to listeners, um, the uh, two that stuck out in my mind were um, Laura from Romania. Again, she can't go home, so she's talking about shopping in the local Moldova, uh, and um, and she says that her favorite Romanian treat is, and Laura, if you are listening, do not kill me for massacring this pronunciation, is Tocicura Moldovanesca, um, <laughs> which is a Moldovan stew with um, fermented cheese, traditional sausages, fried pork, and pickles. Oh, wow. And then also the other thing that she misses are something called cold uh, nucci, which I got inspired when she wrote this to me, nucci, um, but are filled with plum jam and mixed with walnuts, these cookies. Oh, that sounds delicious. Um, another of our listeners, Dikwa, uh, comes from Ethiopia and Somalia, and she came here when she was eight years old. And she explains that while her family um, is Muslim, they do they always did Christmas because of the kids, and they still do Christmas for her youngest brother, who is 12 years old and is special needs and loves, loves, loves Santa Claus. I love all these hybrid Christmases. I'm going to have a hybrid yeah. Christmas this year. I just wanted to give um, a shout out to our fellow food podcasters. Um, We are not alone anymore. Our brother podcasters in the Headstuff Podcast Network, which of course is Ireland's largest podcast network, um, that that's banging podcast. We are absolutely obsessed with it. Uh, Marcus O'Leary and Chris Mellon launched it a few weeks ago and it is just so fun. If you haven't tuned in, please do so. They're interviewing lots of their friends and people in Ireland who are um, interested in food and have a great food story as well but they have so much fun on the podcast too so highly recommend it it's the That's Banging podcast on the Headstuff Network Now you're, Are you all in at home in your own places? I suppose you are we're scattered all over the place Yeah. Actually we've been able to come in this is Dee we've been able to come in to record in the studio today and um, it's down near Pier Street Station the ah, podcast studio. Lovely. So it's the first time we've been together since I don't know when before the last lockdown. Anyway, we mm. were we were ah. do we were recording our episodes all from each other's homes just through a uh, software on our computers. Yeah. But today we've been able to get together, ah. which is nice because it's our Christmas one. So we're excited. To, well, it's well, nice to be able to smile at each to other. Oh, Darina, honestly, we're so happy to have you involved. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's just so nice. Um, We couldn't think of anyone better we wanted to interview and talk to about Christmas food. Oh, (laughs) yeah, it's very sweet. Uh, Granny, right, okay. (laughs) Good. Lovely. So, uh, May, do you want to kick off? Actually, yes. Um, Darina, I want to say that you were so influential inspirational to me when I moved here and um, in part because you were traditional Irish but then also 
you really brought in other traditions as well, other world traditions as well. And I had a question for you. Is, have you ever spent Christmas or, for that matter, any other major holidays outside of Ireland? And what are some of the rituals and dishes that you most remember? Oh, um, I, well, indeed I have, because uh, you may or may not know that um, we, of course, we live down here in, in, on a farm in the country, down in East Cork. <laughs> um, and uh, basically, our four children and our 11 uh, grandchildren, you know, and our partners know that, live literally within five minutes of us, not to speak of our extended family. So uh, for many years now, um, apart from, of course, this year, um, very often we have our tradition in our families to have our Christmas dinner um, about sometime around the 18th, um, 19th of December. Literally the whole works, the tree, the presents, uh, all of the grandchildren, all of that and everything, and then roast turkey and all the trimmings. We sit down and have our Christmas dinner, in inverted commas, um, um, on about the 18th. And then because our because we're with our children and grandchildren, literally see them almost every day, um, they very often then go to um, their other grandparents, you know, the family mm-hmm. goes to the other grandparents who see them less regularly, sometimes uh, out of the country in Cornwall and so on. And uh, so, and then we, um, for many many years, many Christmases, headed off uh, into the sunset. <laughs> so literally, I'm just think, thinking back, and I don't think I've got all of them here, uh, the many places we've spent uh, at Christmas over the years, you know, literally from uh, uh, Spain and Andalusia and Mexico, Guatemala, Australia, New Zealand, and several Christmases also uh, in India. So we've had multicultural wow. Christmases. Not to speak of Christmases, actually, when the children were little, we used to go skiing quite often at Christmas. And, uh, you know, I, I remember on one uh, Christmas when my little, the book that I wrote many, many years ago called Simply Delicious Christmas. Um, it's a dog-eared little paperback. And we have a copy of it here with us today. Blanca, Blanca's husband gave it to her, um, the 1989 <laughs> edition, so she's holding it up right now. <laughs> well, it's it's not a boast, but it's a kind of a fact that, um, you know, I think many people all over Ireland cook at least something out of that book every Christmas. But anyway, I remember sitting on a ski slope, you know, in a cafe, uh, you know, drinking a beer and having uh, chips and frankfurters and uh, thinking of all the women of Ireland with my book in her hand. <laughs> and that was what I was skiing um, uh, when the children were little, we used to ski a lot. But then when the children got so much better than Tim and I, um, I would be back on the baby slopes and the kids would be whizzing up and down past me. We decided that uh, we'd leave them off on their own to do that kind of thing. But anyway, uh, so we've had many uh, wonderful Christmases abroad and, uh, um, you know, so many different traditions. And then some countries where Christmas is almost, you know, a non-event, you know, mm. yeah. And you grew up in Leash, obviously. I was down in your family home, um, interviewed you last year, your whole family, um, in a kind of, I suppose, a traditional Irish food household. Um, and yet you and, you know, your mother-in-law were at the forefront of promoting in kind of cuisines of other cultures in Ireland, as well as Irish food. Was there one cuisine or country in particular that sparked your interest over the years? Um well, you know, I've I, I was just when I saw uh, uh, thought of that question and really w- and wondered 
I think you wondered why I had, uh, you know, been so interested in other cuisines and cultures from other countries, mm. as you just said. And part, it's partly because here at the cooking school, I've always been very curious. I've always been somebody who asked questions about things and was anxious, uh, really hungry to learn more and more about all sorts of things. So uh, when we started the cooking school, um, I, you know, wanted to learn more and more that I could share with my students and then get my students to share that with other people. So it's like little ripples going out across the country and so on. And all of us like travel to actually, um, you know, broaden our horizons and uh, educate our palates and all of that sort of thing. So um, that's, uh, uh, and even though I, and our, our, our Christmases in Callahill, I'm the eldest of nine children, uh, brought up in this little village, a tiny village, as you know, uh, yeah. in County Leash. And Beautiful so our house. Christmases were wonderful, really. And I have such happy memories of Christmases at home. Uh, my mother was a widow from uh, up when I was 14. My father died, sadly. But, um, you know, mummy would start sort of in October. October, November, starting preparing for Christmas. I remember when we were children, she would literally almost make most of our Christmas presents, do little felt toys and, um, mm. you know, all kinds of different things. And then, of course, all the baking, the making of the cake and the pudding and the sort of, uh, you know, stirring and wishing, making a wish, all of that uh, was all, you know, spaced out in the build-up to Christmas. Uh, the excitement was, at that stage, we would have had much, much less in in material terms, but little tiny things were um, very exciting. And, you know, there were all kinds of rituals, like uh, when mummy made the plum puddings on that day when the first, when they were boiled for five or six hours, well, that evening we would have plum pudding. We'd have to eat the first plum pudding, and that would be several weeks before Christmas. So that was, you know, and that plum pudding seemed to taste so much better than uh, the ones even on Christmas Day. And then... Uh, and on and on it went. And then the other lovely thing, we always, of course, had a, you know, the decorating of the tree and all of that, but bringing it in and cutting it down, bringing it in, setting it up. And then we always, uh, long before fairy light, so we always had real candles on the tree. Oh, wow. We still actually put real candles on the tree. Nowadays, um, you know, people, <laughs> when you say that, people think you try to burn the house down. <laughs> but then we would gather around and sort of, you know, sit and kneel around the tree in, in our little sitting room and sing Christmas carols on, you know, Christmas Eve. And then there was, you know, midnight mass. Uh, and I remember the boys particularly would head off to midnight mass and have a, I don't know, they seemed to come back. I don't know how they managed to get inebriated at midnight mass. But anyway, <laughs> and they'd arrive back home. And the other great thing that mummy made, apart from the plum puddings, was, of course, trifle. Her trifle was legendary. She had a very... Uh, uh, free hand with a bottle of Bristol cream and so she'd make the, the trifle several big trifles and these last trifle bowls that were only sort of brought out at Christmas you know they'd be up on the top of a press in, in the pantry during the year and these would be filled up with this wonderful trifle and I'm, when they came back from midnight mass then they'd hunt the house trying to find the trifle so she had to try and hide it in a different place uh, every year, I remember once they found it in the oven of the gas cooker <laughs> and so on. In the end, she for the last few years, she would hide it under her bed so there was no way they could uh, eat an entire bowl of trifle uh, after midnight mass so that, uh, and then it wouldn't, we wouldn't have enough for Christmas. Anyway, there are all sorts of, uh, you all would have had lots of quirky memories uh, too from your own uh, Christmases every family has. <laughs> 
Dorina, I wanted to ask you about your cookbooks about Christmas. They're fabulous, by the way. And um, I used to work in Books for Cooks, and your cookbooks were very popular. This is in the mid-2000s. <laughs> but I was looking at your 2014 uh, preface, and you talk about uh, a slight mistake that happened with um, the oh. measurement for breadcrumbs. Oh. Could you oh, tell us a little bit about oh, that story? Uh, that, that still makes me go, oh. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. This was uh, my first book many, many years ago when I had brown hair and red glasses. Uh, was um, simply delicious, uh, you know, the, and it, as you know, there's a television series with it. And it uh, absolutely went into orbit. It t- amazed all of us with the sales uh, for the book. So nobody was quite expecting it to be such a success. The recipes were simple and delicious, all that blood, kind of thing. Anyway, uh, our, my publishers realized that they had something quite different on their hands. So uh, Michael Gill of Gill and Macmillan, um, so after a couple of months when I was obvious that they, they, the book was selling, as he said, in telephone numbers, uh, basically, uh, they used to wheel me out for, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, for signings all over the country. And I remember people queuing all down Patrick Street in Cork. And I just, this is my first, it was my first book. Sorry, I'm slightly wandering, but I'm <laughs> okay. I am getting to answer your question. <laughs> and I, I thought that's what happened to everybody. I didn't realize there was anything unusual about it. Anyway, Michael Gill obviously realized there was something unusual about it. It had touched a chord in somehow or other with Irish people, particularly with this, the television series. And so he said to me, quick, quick, I think we need to bring a book out for Christmas. So we actually, um, uh, the, uh, so I said, okay. And literally it takes, well, you all know how long it takes to do a book normally, but mm. uh, basically I had two months, I think, to get it in. <gasps> and so in the book, I wanted to put in my plum pudding and my, no, sorry, my mother's plum pudding, Elizabeth O'Connell. And, of course, Myrtle's Plum Pudding from the Ballymaloo book. Now, uh, Gillian Macmillan had actually published, of course, Myrtle's, uh, the Ballymaloo cookbook. So they said uh, they would transfer uh, the, and I got permission from Myrtle and everything, which she gladly gave. And they said they would transfer that into the new book and do the, uh, change, the, and you know, do the versions of the measurements and everything. And then I sent in Mummy's one as well. That was fine. The book was published in a great flurry of whatever. And uh, there was no television series with it on the first year because there wasn't time but anyway within a couple of days of the uh, the, uh, Simply Delicious Christmas going on the shelves I I got a phone call from somebody saying look I don't know I made your plum pudding (laughs) Myrtle Allen's plum pudding um, and remember, nobody would have recognized Elizabeth O'Connell's name, so everybody would have looked at the two plum puddings, and most people made Myrtle Allen's plum pudding. So basically, this woman said, it says it makes three, but there's, I had a huge amount of breadcrumbs, and it, I have five plum puddings. Could there be something wrong? And I thought, oh my God, what's happened now? So I looked and went back to the recipe, and in Myrtle's book, her plum pudding, like in many families has passed down through the generations and you're all far too young to remember but years ago when we were making a plum pudding you'd go along to the local shop and you'd order a pan loaf and you'd let it uh, a two pan as they call it pan loaf a big pan loaf and you'd let it get stale for a couple of days you cut the crusts off and then with your box grater you'd make breadcrumbs mm. and uh, so anyway now you, you know what happened <coughs> a, little, a lovely little junior in the office was handed the, the job of uh, of uh, Converting the measurements into pounds and ounces, because what it said in Myrtle's recipe was a two-pound loaf of breadcrumbs. 
so she translated that to two pounds of breadcrumbs. Oh, And wow. when the crusts are taken off, basically, you have about nine, ten ounces of breadcrumbs. So there was a huge difference. <laughs> and so anyway, this, oh my goodness, every time the phone rang, our... Uh, our hearts sank and so I rang uh, Michael Gill and said to him look uh, Michael there's a mistake a serious mistake in the cookbook you know it says two pounds instead of whatever and he said look just say it's a publisher's error which in fact it was and I said no I can't do that because people already had built up trust in me do you know what I mean that the recipes would work and they were doing my recipes and this was Christmas and for many people it was the first plum pudding they would have ever made I was in a terrible state so anyway I insisted that we get on to Gay Byrne so we we got on to Gay Byrne Gay had me on and on the late you know, late show, they all was thought it was hilarious <laughs> about this plum pudding with the, uh, with the. Uh, but anyway, I explained, and then the mirror at the sun. Do you know, I never kept this cartoon. They did a cartoon about you know of me with plum puddings and and breadcrumbs in all directions, <laughs> oh my and gosh. Uh, so anyway, and then but you know it's a funny thing. They say this, it's an ill wind doesn't do somebody some good. So. A lot of people would not have heard uh, there was a, the Christmas book at all, but it was on the radio and in the newspapers. Everybody thought it was hilariously funny. And as a result, people poured into the bookshop looking for Dorina Allen's uh, Christmas book with a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was a big, long palaver that I, I gave you in way of, by way of an answer. But anyway, oh yeah, and then what we did is we replaced anybody who, we said we would replace anybody's plum puddings who had, you know, made the, made the recipe. <laughs> no and, and my God, it was amazing how many people had made the plum puddings. So we sent plum puddings all over the country that oh, wow. Christmas. I was going to say that, did you, did you go skiing or to Spain that year for Christmas? <laughs> or were you just making plum puddings? I forgot what I did. <laughs> buried my head somewhere but anyway it caused great hilarity but that's the way you know uh, we have I have plenty of stories like that but anyway not quite that was the, the, the most dramatic on that one it's yeah. an amazing story <laughs> We're going to find the cartoons during Yes, that. I think we should find I really the should. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I sort of, I think I was so traumatized that I, I, I well, somehow or other we didn't keep it. And then I couldn't remember whether it was the mail or the mirror or the sun or the whatever. But I, I do remember looking at it and thinking, oh my God. At that stage, you know, from, for me at that stage, I wasn't able to laugh at it. Do you know what I mean? I was so upset about um, all these people, you know, that might have put out this bready plum pudding on their table on Christmas Day, I wonder what on earth Doreen Allen was talking about, that this was the most delicious plum pudding ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, funnily, I, I, in the in the Christmas book, there's the hardback now, as you know, which has about 100 new recipes. That came out a couple of years ago there. Because mm-hmm. people, I'll tell you why, because people kept contacting me and saying, look, we can't find Simply Delicious Christmas, the paperback, it seems to be out of print. I lent it to my you know, neighbor or my aunt or something, and yeah. I never got it back. And so anyway, that's why we did the hardback. My, uh, Gil Macmillan, I did that with them again, and we put in some more recipes, but uh, uh, just so that people would have the, but all the original ones. In fact, you know something, today, our, we've been for the last, well, everybody during COVID, of course, is trying to, you know, be creative and create different income yeah. streams and so on. So we've put Ballymaloo Cookery School courses online, a lot of them. And this week we have a really busy week because we've been doing lots and lots of things coming up to Christmas. And so this afternoon, 
I'm literally going on and I'm doing the chocolate Christmas tree was the other iconic thing in that uh, original, uh, and it's in both the books and the original uh, uh, Christmas book where with uh, these little, little Christmas tree made of uh, chocolate uh, crosses, you yeah. know, uh, that kids all over the country made and carried over to their grannies in Galway or, or Mayo or somewhere in the back of the car. So there are lots of, yeah. a lot of people have very happy memories of the, of that cookbook, I have to say, I def- which I find incredibly touching. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think a lot of households around the country will still be taking it out this year, this week and getting <laughs> ready for it. Um, and, I, and have- I love to when somebody... Uh, you know, shows me a copy and it's kind of barely held, held together, as they say, by the grace of God, uh, which yeah. means, and spattered with gravy and all sorts of things, which means that it's well loved and well used. So, I mean, what more can a, a cookbook author ask than for uh, their books to be mean something uh, to a family, you know? Absolutely. And this year, have you guys already had your traditional, the way you normally had oh, no, your Christmas no. day? Uh, we're, we're, we haven't, because this year, of course, we'll have a family Christmas here because nobody is traveling. So the children and grandchildren will have our Christmas uh, on Christmas Day uh, with the, the children and the grandchildren. And, and uh, uh, you know, we'll, actually, we haven't put our Christmas tree up yet. Um, so we're, we'll do that now, I think, probably today or tomorrow. And then Lovely. we'll sit down and decorate that with the grandchildren. And several of our grandchildren sing and play ukuleles and things. So I oh, nice. just love these little rituals. And I think one of the things you asked me about, was there anything about Christmas that has kind of almost forgotten uh, that you'd like to see resurrected? Well, this isn't something that's actually about cooking, but there used to be a tradition on St. Stephen's Day or uh, called Renvoys. You know, people would yes. dress up. And do you remember? Some of yeah, you they, might remember that. They still have it. I Well, I remember still in Tipperary, there would still be a few kids that would go around um, dressed up on Stephen's Day. Yeah. And often, you know something, it's often, in my childhood, it wasn't kids really, it was the, 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 the lads, the young lads around the yes. place. And they'd, and they'd sing this song, the, the, oh God, I can't remember the name, uh, the song, I was, uh, the Wren, the Wren, the King of All Birds. That's it. What was it? Do you remember yes, it? And I, something, it's got something about the furs. Anyway, I should have looked that up. But it was sort of, I love these old traditions. And then Little Christmas is the other thing that has had a bit of a revival, Women's Christmas. Uh, on the 6th when mm-hmm. the men supposedly would take over the household <laughs> and the women could get out and uh, or uh, have a little celebration um, after all their hard work over Christmas. That's another lovely one and, and so on. Yeah. Darina, um, I was wondering whether you could comment. I think that um, Ireland recently has gotten more diverse. So, pardon me? Ireland recently has gotten more diverse. People yes, coming indeed. in from other countries. Yeah. And I was wondering I'm wonder, you, wonderfully so and so welcome. Yeah. I was wondering whether you can comment on whether or not you've observed how this sort of immigrant presence in Ireland might be influencing Irish Christmas traditions. Well, now, um, of course, you know, I ought to know more about this, but uh, basically, because we have a sort of, in a way, multi-ethnic, uh, you know, mm. a team working with us here at the school, uh, lots of people from the, um, uh, you know, from particularly from Lithuania, uh, Poland, all of that. And they, and then, of course, from Germany, uh, the Stalin and uh, Spatially and all of those yes. sort of things. So I think that's a hugely interesting question and I would I must do a bit more um, inquiring about 
what all my different people are going to have for Christmas. I'll write yeah. an article about it. <laughs> and <laughs> probably... And when I, I love that as a project now. Yeah. I know a little, obviously, but uh, now tell me, um, the, uh, you, in, um, of course, a lot of... Uh, uh, of uh, d- uh, from people from different countries actually uh, celebrate c- Christmas on Christmas Eve. Uh, so yeah. in, in in Spain, um, what do, what do you have for Christmas? Says me turning the question on. Am I speaking yeah. uh, to Bianca, yes, Blanca, Blanca there, yeah. or am I speaking to my chin? Well, I, I was just—I just asked you the, about the immigrant, and then I'm just going to toss you <laughs> off to Blanca. Um, <laughs> m- my family make a truffle turkey terrine with um, cherry. Oh, I'm coming. Iberico ham. Um, <laughs> And it's very laborious, but I make like the microwave or the the Ban Marie version. But my mom yeah. used to buy a real turkey and kill it. Oh, wow. so, and that's Spain. Is that yeah, Spain? that's Spain. That's yeah. in the I south. See, yeah. Oh my God, that sounds properly delicious and portioned and special. Really, really special. Yeah. We actually had a listener um, who had contacted us. May, maybe you could tell Darina about it. it was from, uh, is it? Romania? From Romania, yes. yes. And um, I am going to massacre the pronunciation of the stew again, but it's um, it's a Moldavian, I'm just going to say it's a Moldavian stew. It's a tachatura moldavanesca. And so she says that it has um, fermented cheese, fried eggs, fried pork, traditional sausages and pickles with polenta. And then... And then she talks about these Christmas cookies, which sounded so delicious. They, yeah, they um, they're shaped like walnuts and they're filled with plum jam that are mixed with walnuts. Oh, how wonderful! Mm. That I love. By the way, I love Romania. I've been to Romania, sometimes Transylvania and all of that, and long, long, long uh, to go back again. All those wonderful sort of slightly sour soups, chorba, and so on. Uh, I did actually. We do make uh, lots of. Uh, German Christmas biscuits uh, and share those around as well. That's definitely part of a tradition that's been absorbed uh, into the Allen family for quite a long time because we had uh, years and years ago um, my parents-in-law um, brought gave a home to German refugees after the war and they would they should, They were wonderful cooks and they oh. showed us how to make a lot of the biscuits and the whole tradition of uh, biscuits, well, both Easter actually, and then the wonderful gingerbread houses as well, of course, I've forgotten about those, yes, yeah. uh, that they showed us how to make and, and the... Uh, um, all those incredible variety of ginger of uh, of uh, Christmas biscuits that they make and share with each other and often bake together. Uh, I know um, uh, my one of my son-in-laws uh, is German and basically he um, his mother the land women or something and it's like the ICA in in uh, Germany they they might they get together and they bake together quite often and then they share out the cookies between them. Just lovely, passing on the mm. tradition from one generation to another. That's also a super important thing, isn't it? To yeah. include the children in whatever is happening and uh, in all of the cooking and preparations and wrapping and all that sort of stuff, uh, just so that um, that will be carried on. And that's what memories, such lovely, happy uh, memories are made of. Do you like, do you always do the traditional Irish turkey and ham or do you like to mix it up from year to year with or you know other meats or would you have spiced beef i know that's a very kind of cork um yeah thing um, we we t- well we we always nobody wants anything to change for christmas uh, uh for <laughs> that's christmas so true. That's so interesting. particularly if there's you know one you know we all write column inches of different suggestions and so on but in the end particularly if 
people are coming home from abroad to mm. some of the family. Mm. My goodness me, uh, Christmas, uh, the Christmas dinner is sacred in many cases. So people don't want any surprises. They just want the same thing. <laughs> but so in our uh, family, it's the same. We have, well, uh, and very often in Ballymaloo, if they're in Ballymaloo, again, it's very traditional. Uh, we're not doing a big Ballymaloo family dinner this Christmas because it's too many. That can be over 60 people but wow. uh, or more because the families is the extent family is so big but basically we'll have we start off actually and it doesn't this doesn't sound like the right kind of thing but one of my son-in-laws is a, a an oyster farmer so we have oysters and, and the grown-ups love that and in fact some children sorry do. i was just i was thinking oysters and blanca was just making a thumbs up <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know god and actually on christmas eve we'll do oysters as well and and uh, cocktails. Lovely. <laughs> uh, with my, one of my daughters does that. But anyway, but Christmas then, so then we have this thing called grape and melon cocktail. It, I mean, how retro 70s does that I, sound? It was I one of the kind of favorite yeah. little starters of Annie Milieu years ago. Yeah. But it's so, so we buy in some melons a couple of weeks ahead and try and ripen them up because it's definitely not the best time of the year for melons. And then a, a, a grape and melon and a little uh, orange uh, juice and what else? There's lots of chopped mint in it. And it's lovely and light and the children love it and we your, nice. So we tuck into bowls of that first, and then uh, after that, then we have roast turkey and and uh, with stuffed, of course, with lots of roasties. And then again, this is even more grand hotel or whatever. We have <laughs> creamed celery, <laughs> and celery in a cream sauce, which is all sort of you know, unctuous and melty. And then, uh, of course, sprouts and mm. all the you know bread sauce, which I adore, and lots of gravy and uh, a cranberry sauce and. Then and a, and a fine big green salad after that, and then uh, we have a plum pudding and try finish us off. That sounds so nice. Uh, uh, but uh, it's great, and we uh, oh yeah, the other thing I forgot that we always have as well. I for years now I haven't cooked a ham on Christmas Day. Uh, I might have cooked a ham another time, but we what we have uh, is actually we have a, a big piece of streaky bacon, um, lovely nice fatty. A streaky bacon, and we glaze that in with you know cloves and the pineapple juice and so on. Again, totally kind of you know traditional retro, but it's so much more delicious. I was going to say a, that a sounds a little dried hams, and it costs half nothing, you know, and it's so delicious and kind of sugary and sweet, and everybody loves that, and it's so easy to carve as well. I was going to say that sounds like something an Asian would eat. Yeah. Beautiful fatty, <laughs> yeah. beautiful fatty bacon yeah, that, that glazed with yeah, yeah, that sweet exactly, pineapple yeah. juice. Cloves. Anyway, there you are. There you have it. Now that's our Christmas, and then we, you know, obviously have homemade lemonade and. And actually, more more recently, for you, we all drink such a lot of water kefir and kombucha and stuff. But that'll be around as well, homemade lemonade for the children and then a nice wow. little drop of fizz and wine oh. for ourselves. There we are. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. <laughs> and then a walk in the afternoon. We don't actually, uh, traditionally, we don't watch television on Christmas a day. I know a lot of people do, but yeah. uh, it, generally we just go off for a walk. We're very lucky to be close to the, the Strand here in mm. uh, in Shanagari and Arden Hinch and we go for a big long walk, uh, provided it's not raining. And Christmas Day is often nice, actually. Yeah. yeah it's abso- often nice in terms of weather, you know, not ab- always. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, Tarina, that just sounds like the most wonderful um, Christmas. And I suppose... Well, we keep our fingers crossed and, and that we'll all keep well, don't we? Yeah. Well, this mm. is it. And this year is obviously particularly dif- yeah. different for all of us with COVID and lockdowns yeah. and things like that. So I think there's an appreciation this year that perhaps 
I won't say it's never been there before, but it, there's a definite awareness this year of how grateful everybody is to be together with loved ones or just to enjoy good food and to be yeah. safe. Totally. And the other thing, actually, I did this with the examiner, which I uh, write for every week. Uh, you know, we are asking, this is just a suggestion, to ask everybody in the family to write down and bring with them on Christmas Day, you know, whoever's joining up, to write down their memory of their favorite Christmas or Christmas in the past or something. And it could be short, just on one page or something. And then maybe sit down after lunch or before or whatever, when I say lunch, I suppose Christmas dinner, we have it about four o'clock. Um, and uh, just so people read out their memories and this can build up into a lovely collection that's shared in the family. And uh, also it's, you know, it, it, I think this year it's for, you know, nostalgia is very high, yeah. as, as you say. And as, and actually we did a competition, in fact, in the examiner. They sent lots and lots and lots of people sent in their memories. So, you know, particularly people who might be going to be on their own or not with their families this Christmas. Yeah. They're haunting memories of Christmas's past. Yeah. And But it judges up all this, you know, these, in many cases, happy, well, we, mm. people try to ha- judge up the happy memories yes. anyway. But I and uh, it adds, a, I, I, th- I think it adds, it will add a little extra dimension to Christmas for anybody who decides that that might be good exercise. They have time to do it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Children, grandchildren, grannies, everybody, just little memories and, and then make it, maybe make a little book of them and add to it next year and the year after. I definitely am going to do that. I absolutely love that idea. And you know what I think we're actually going to put a call out to our listeners like we did get some people who had contacted us from different ethnicities in Ireland who are immigrants who are here how they spend Christmas and do you know what actually Dorina we might uh, this is an open invitation to come back on this time next year and what we might do is we might beforehand go through with our listeners stories of their how they've their food memories in their countries are yes. that are now in Ireland oh, and we might discuss that I think that would be a really lovely thing for It'd us to really do lovely. if we'd love and to then, have you on again oh thank you and just one other thing the other thing I mean, honestly, it's as much anything as a feel-good factor to give back. But, you know, in all we live out in the country, a little village and mm-hmm. all the rest of it. And, you know, they're within five minutes of the cooking school here. I know that there are families that actually need uh, food parcels. And yeah. I only know that because basically somebody in, uh, you know, I, 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 if you talk to... If you want to know if there's somebody that you could drop a little something quietly to on Christmas Day or a couple of days beforehand, I mean, obviously there's lots of organisations, but if you get in touch with your local uh, your local priest or your local um, a parson and yeah. just say, is there somebody that could do with a little something quietly that either you could give to them to deliver or whatever? And you know something? If we do that, we get so much more from it ourselves almost than what we give. But it just is something about Christmas that it's kind of to really enjoy Christmas, I think for many of us, it's essential to feel that we've shared a bit with maybe those who are in men, uh, less fortunate that we are than we are and so on. Anyway, Completely. look, there you are and getting on, getting all home, whimsy <laughs> no, and whatever. Oh, that's, the Chris, that's the Christmas <laughs> Oh my goodness, time, happens, to, time to finish up. Well, yeah. look, uh, lovely, happy Christmas to all of you. Having you on. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. And um, we, so we will speak to you again soon. Oh, lovely. And keep safe and well, everybody. Thank Good. you. Bye then. Are you wondering how can you improve your home energy rating? 
180 Degrees is a podcast answering these questions by sharing the stories of people across Ireland working towards a cleaner energy future. They chat to the people who are making a real difference in the areas of sustainable transport energy in the home and in our communities. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Degrees, brought to you by the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland, supported by the Government of Ireland. Wow, is all I can say. Darina was spectacular. I just loved hearing her nostalgia for making the book. The story about the mistake is precious. I just... We need to find that that cartoon. We need to find a cartoon for her. I think it would be so nice. But she is, I mean, she's a wealth of knowledge, obviously, from her years of experience. But it's just so nice to hear um, how kind of things came about, how the book came together I mean, two months for a cookbook, fair play. That's all I can say for anyone who knows how to, or who doesn't know, listening to us, a cookbook takes, I mean, seven, eight months. And sometimes years. And sometimes years, yeah. <laughs> years. Um, so it's amazing to hear that. But she's just such, so lovely. And it's lovely to hear down in Ballymaloo how they um, have their own traditions and, and how they, you know, with, with their own families and influences from Germany and things like that there as well. I mean, I think what she is, is she almost is that essence of nostalgia, right? And then, and and so talking to her actually helped put me in the Christmas spirit. Definitely. Mm. I definitely yeah. feel Christmassy. Yeah. Um, I, okay, so there's, this is not a Davina thing, but I really want to talk about this because I found this article in Irish Central. Is it also it, Christmassy? It's not Christmassy. It's <laughs> Hanukkah. Um, so um, Hanukkah is, of course, Jewish holiday. Um, it is the Festival of Lights, and the traditional Hanukkah decoration is a menorah, um, and um, you know, which is like a candelabra. And uh, and I had wondered about this um, because I kept seeing menorahs in a lot of Irish households during Christmas and, and in Irish, shops. We had and one. in shops and one. in Irish Central. They were like, no, no, no. All like so many Irish households just have this Jewish, this Jewish decoration. They don't know what it means. They just think it's pretty. They like the lights. Um, So I was glad that I wasn't going crazy. So I would like to blame my eldest sister. (laughs) As I so often blame my family for things on this podcast. I'm so sorry to them when they listen. But I think it was my eldest sister, Miriam, who brought brought the candle into our house. I don't know. I'm old enough to remember it being there. So it must have been maybe when I was a teenager and it was in the front room window where we would have, we would always use the front room at Christmas. <laughs> the rest of the year, it was just like a kind of storage area and we'd use it sometimes when guests came over. But yeah, so we had that candle. I mean, we are not Jewish. We were brought up Catholic, but I mean, we weren't even very religious when we were older. We didn't go to mass. We did when we were younger. So, but so I've seen them all over the place. Is it just a commercial thing that supermarkets yeah. have maximized just, on? What is going on? I just also just think it's hilarious because I just think that there's just not enough Jewish people in Ireland to be like, yeah. there. It must be a commercial thing. It's like Christmas trees in China, May. Yeah. When I went to China, people will leave the Christmas tree all year really? in their house. Oh. And they will leave the decorations because, of course, to them, it's just a decoration. I have an elderly uh-huh. neighbor who leaves his Christmas decorations up all year round in Rialto in Dublin. And I know it's just because probably he's older and he doesn't want to have to take them all down. But he also is a neighbor, is a person who goes to town on Christmas decorations. So like his windows are filled with um, snowmen and angels and lights and everything. But they're there just all year round. 
Um, I just and kind of um, uh, sort of um, this is a, kind of related to Hanukkah, but I actually wanted to give a shout out to um, our new Lord Mayor Hazel Chu, who has started, I suppose, her own holiday tradition which is to sort of mark holidays at Mansion House. So she started in December 8th with Bodhi, um, which is a Buddhist holiday. And I know, I believe the 10th, um, she marked Hanukkah. Um, there's a couple other Muslim holidays. I know w- when you listen to this, it is the 30th. So I don't know whether these celebrations are still going on, but I actually think that this is just a wonderful initiative that, you know, um, marks the new Ireland and yeah. what we've become. That's so nice. I love that. That's really, really nice. I definitely would check some of those out just to kind of experience different traditions as well. It's a nice thing for her to do. Guys, recording this here today and speaking with Rena has just put me in such a festive mood. And I think I'm, I mean, I'm probably like a lot of people, today's the 18th for people listening to us on the 30th, but we're wrapping up for Christmas and things like that. And this is our first time recording in person in a long time. So it's been so nice seeing you guys um, Blanca and May, uh, just want to wish you guys happy Christmas and happy new year, but also to everybody listening on the 30th, just a wonderful happy new year. And thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard or better yet, have a question or response or comment to anything that we said today, we really want to hear from you. So please contact us at Instagram at Spice Bags Pod. Twitter as well is the same Spice Bags Pod. Or you can email us at Spice Bags Pod at gmail.com. 